All right. Happy Thursday, Ride or Dies. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Thursday when this comes out. It's going to be Monday when it's released. It's Thursday right now, (laughs) just so y'all know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should start doing lives. Oh, man. It'll make our lives easier. (laughs) Maybe. Start doing what, sorry? Lives. Live videos. Maybe we'll take our words more seriously before we say them. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Oh, boy. We'll get trained up. So, yeah. So are you going to, are you still riding Nadine while you're kind of in quarantine over there? Well, my horse isn't here. He's uh, still at Christine's. So uh, (laughs) Cole has a client horse here, that gypsy banner, that big fluffy, fluffy thing. So I've hopped on that a few times. Um, But yeah, not really. I've been avoiding the arena just because of the quarantine thing, but riding outside when I get a chance. Um, but not really. Honestly, I've been watching a lot of Tiger King. <laughs> and uh, I need to actually, watch that, apparently, yeah, no you have to watch what it. This is, even. You guys have to watch it. It's crazy. But also, a really good thing that we have at our house is Cole downloaded an app called Horse TV. So it's, I think it's $40 for six months. And there is like a million like horse training videos, quilt starting videos. Uh, Fallon Taylor's Barrel Racing College, um, like literally any. I watched a documentary of how the Appaloosa started. <laughs> so, what is that called again? Equine TV, and you can just download it on like a smart TV, or where do you get it's it? It's Horse TV. Horse TV. Horse TV, yeah. And you actually download the app on your phone, and we have like a little uh, device that transfers what we have on our phone to the TV. I'm sure you could probably find a way to get it on the smart TV because it is an app. And yeah, you just like pay the $40 for six months and you have like unlimited access to like so many horse videos. It's really, really cool. Huh. Well, that is a freaking great tip for anyone just chilling, forced to chill in their home or on their Mm -hmm. farm. Hey, keeping with the theme of music, how much do you guys affect that it feels your like it or how much do you feel it affects your mood or like excitement for an event when there's like pump up music mm, going on at a jackpot or a barrel race. I love did the you, pump up music. Me too. And did you guys like? I know this is kind of going back a little bit, but did you guys watch the Hundred Humans Experiment on Netflix? No. So they had a test where they had people with pump up music versus people with like kind of slower music, and how their moods affect were affected by it. And the people that were, like, listening to, like, big pump-up music were actually way more of a risk-taker than people listening to, like, not music like that. So I think it actually does, like, a huge Mm -hmm. effect on jackpots if you're, like, coming down the alley and there's ACDC playing. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe you're going to have that more, like, competitive edge. And it was actually a really neat study. (laughs) Yeah. It was a neat study. Like, it's, uh, music is a big thing. Like, for me, like, I know if I'm, I get pumped up listening to Elton John, though. So I'm like a real bad example, but. <laughs> pumped up listening to Elton John. That's hilarious. I've heard of an experiment where you take like t- two apples and you set them on the counter and you talk nice to the one apple for 30 days. And then you talk and you call that other apple just a piece of crap and you talk negatively to it. <laughs> Apparently, the one that you talk negatively to, like, ruins faster i've never tried this but i had somebody told me i listened to it on a podcast so i just thought of it and i might have to try do this project and take a picture every couple days so we can see the program actually like this has to be done i don't know but they 
that is that's hilarious. But they did have like that test about music. So I think like even when we were when I was down in Arizona, I can't even tell you the difference in music that they had down there. Like their beats were really good warming up and like actually running through like it was old school rock, it was some Aaron Watson, like he's bigger down in the States. But um yeah, no, they had and it, it it affected my mood. It made me want to ride more aggressive. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Get pumped up. What about you, Steffi? How does music affect your mood? Same. I, I think it just gets me so much more pumped up and just like excited to be there. Um, For sure. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons like I've always said like the ABRA youth short go is freaking yeah. electric. Mostly because mm-hmm. those youth are freaking electric, but like the announcer gets into it mm-hmm. and the music that they play for the youth short go just like is way better than the music for the rest <laughs> yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah, or just true. maybe the energy all around is. Or like uh, Hinton Oil Country Barrel Challenge. Music. We all like that jackpot and I think maybe one of the reasons is like they got the cool dance beats and the funky stuff playing all the all weekend. Mm-hmm. And even that one we went to last year, that little bar- barrel race kind of close to Athabasca oh well yeah they had lots of good tunes and the announcer was just like totally into it and it just it got you pumped up mm-hmm. yeah well mm-hmm. even you look at the PBRs right like look at the music they played yes. there like if if they had a PBR with like kind of meh music like the old country songs I think like it's, it'd be great but it's the the pump up music that makes it as uh, a yeah. production right and then like in comparison to that I when I'm at home just riding by myself and I want to be like um focused and concentrated on my drills and just you know stuff like that then I'll listen to more relaxing music so that I'm not just like yeah on the muscle you know I'm I'm more relaxed my horse is more relaxed mm. and then we can focus better on on our training at home that's a yeah, good tip. And I tried <laughs> I tried the classical music trick when I was taking my Canadian securities exam. And that exam is if anyone has done it, knows it's extremely hard. Like there's a thirty percent pass rate because it's so difficult. And I tried listening to classical music when I was doing that. Like I pulled out all the stops just because it was such a dry subject, but I still didn't pass it. Like <laughs> so I don't know if like, well, uh, <laughs> The slower music didn't help me out too much, but I'm sure it's like maybe if it, you're into like a topic that you actually enjoy, like that yeah, might I think make that you makes focus. a difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I can't listen to like super like loud music in the morning though. It just like actually agitates yeah, me. Yeah, right. And I'm like, turn it off. I need yeah, to think about what it I'm depends doing what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I'm trying to do something efficiently like it's totally different a barrel race because you want to be pumped up and like you're just there to yeah but if you're trying to do other stuff and it's crazy music i'm just like oh shut it off yeah but then yeah if i put like classical music on then or just instrumental piano music or whatever then i can still do what i'm doing and not get angry (laughs) for me it'd be like i'm totally different yeah or that like something like that yeah like for me, like in the mornings and I'm going to work, I'm like, I know from the distance it is from my house, the shop, it's the the full song of Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf <laughs> will take me from my house to the shop. And that is praying my, my Jeep only goes to a 38 level and that is on 38 and I'm screaming that song the whole oh. way down the <laughs> river hill. Look at you, <laughs> but that's the thing, like all you're doing is driving. You're, you're doing something mindless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
So it told, but if yeah, if you're trying to focus on something, then I just can't have that noise. Mm-hmm. Same yeah. if I really want to think about it. But anyway, yeah. so this podcast or this intro was all about music, but this podcast is going to take you right into equine massage therapy. Have you guys had any experience with equine massage therapy? Whoops. Whoa. Jesse, trying to FaceTime me. I was trying. <laughs> I actually, I've had my horse chiropractic uh, regularly during the barrel season, but I have never actually invested in a massage for my horse, which I'm a little bit ashamed to say, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But about you, Stevie? Um, I think, well, Janelle, um, not Gertler anymore, Kirkpatrick, she did massage. I think it was massage and chiropractic. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I've had her work on my horse, like, massage-wise. So. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely gotten cash massage before too. Getting her yeah. like nice and like uh, lumber and like getting those joints really worked into. Uh, we we've gone through a lot of different massage therapists, so like it just seems like like in our area, some people come and go kind of thing, right? And it's just, it, that's like, like what we talk about in this podcast, like consistency. It's it's a little bit hard to be consistent when you don't have a massage therapist that is near you all the time so are you saying that one of us should probably take this course yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) or we'll just Uh, like load up the trailer and um head down every month (laughs) yeah well when you think of like a human because like what they really talk about is how human kinesiology can apply to horses as well like in the muscle sense right so you look at professional athletes they get worked on all the time, right? Like they always, like at the PBRs, the Cowboys, they have access to all the massage and cupping and acupuncture. They do it right there behind the scenes. Yeah. And so we should be maybe looking at showing or doing that with our equine athletes as much as possible too, just to mm-hmm. make sure that their bodies are working properly. Because yeah. like you said, it's all down to a millisecond. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's a very interesting podcast, and we really hope you guys enjoy it. I know I can't wait to be back in studio, so. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Since graduating from her Bachelor of Science degree in 2011, Bridget has dedicated her career to the health and wellness of the equine athlete. Wanting to give back to our hardworking horses, Bridget started Vitality Equine in 2015 with the goal of optimizing equine athlete health and performance. Her dedication to the scientific approach combined with her love for horses and people makes Bridget a talented therapist. Her passions lie in teaching horse owners and professionals the science behind equine anatomy and movement. Without further ado, we are so excited to bring you this podcast with Bridget Mayer and Vitality Equine. Hey, Bridget. How's it going? Going great. How are you doing, Steph? Good. Yeah, it's nice to be able to get to sit down and have a little chat. Unfortunately, it can't be at Spring Thaw this weekend, but yeah, we'll probably be able to do that in the future. Absolutely. I'm just grateful we still get to chat. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Technology is nice. I was super, super excited for the session with you guys, though. Like, It would have been really cool for to see what you do and 
and get some videos and show our listeners. But we'll definitely have to do that uh, at a later date when everything's safe again and we can start barrel racing. So hopefully we can meet up when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your equine background and when horses came into your life? Yeah, absolutely. I sure can. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, I grew up in more or less in Calgary, Alberta, in the city. Um, originally, my family was actually from Venezuela. So we moved here when I was um, really young. And I kind of fell in love with um, with horses at a young age. I, I was like seven years old, begging my parents to send me to horse camp. <laughs> like, please, 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 please send me to camp. Because we, we obviously lived in the city. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they finally succumbed to my wishes when I was like eight and I started going to this horse camp every year just west of the city near Water Valley and it was my it was definitely my introduction to horses and what my parents thought would just be a phase but was not and (laughs) was yeah so introduced through horse camp and then um as I was a little bit older um with some more autonomy and kind of um ownership of my day I started uh, I started volunteering um, at a friend's place who was a endurance and competitive trail rider and so oh, I worked cool. with her and her horses and I learned a ton and then so and then that was also my gateway into that discipline as well moving from horse camp life to a little bit more of a performance horse life as well oh cool what what camp was that it was called um, Bates Bar J Ranch. Okay. It's unfortunately no longer in oh. operation, um, <laughs> but it's actually been quite the significant uh, place for for me in my life where mm-hmm. I made a lot of lifelong friends. I met my partner, Johnny, there, and we've been together for almost, uh, for yeah, over seven years. So I, I, I definitely attribute a lot of, um, a lot of the direction of my life to, to being in that place. And I hold a lot of gratitude for yeah. all of the experiences I've had there. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. Yeah, that's really neat. Uh, Stevie, you you were at a horse camp too, hey? Yeah, I well, I actually, like I did, actually, I was the same way when I was little. I begged my parents to let me go to horse camp and it never actually happened. <laughs> my sister <laughs> got to go. But yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't even like horses. It's that's oh. a touchy <laughs> subject. <laughs> but um no, I was um this was I don't know, 5 6 or 7 years ago. I was a wrangler at a camp in BC. So, yeah. Oh, cool. I finally got to go to horse camp. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh do you ride or compete now in any discipline? I don't at the moment. Um, unfortunately, uh, at the end of April last year, uh, my main speed, he passed away uh, from colic kind of unexpectedly. Oh, we, had a, we had a massive snowstorm that, you know, that classically came out of nowhere through the, through the mountains and hit us pretty hard. And it was super cold and his body, I, I really attribute it to, it was just so sudden and so quick. His body couldn't regulate. Oh. Um, and so we had to put him down. He was 21 years old. Um, so he definitely lived a long, um, 
beautiful life, but uh, I haven't really gotten back in the saddle since then. And uh, I go through waves where I really want to, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And then waves where I'm not. So yeah, yeah. as anything with the horse world, I think it'll just be kind of an impulsive decision. You know, you see a horse on Facebook, <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm buying it. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> the right one will come yeah. along soon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So sadly, I'm not riding at the moment, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do ride some of my clients and friends' horses, so I'm okay. grateful to be able to do that. But uh, it's definitely, I do think that it has allowed me to spend some more time growing vitality equine yeah um, for sure yeah so there's definitely yeah some good that can come from it i guess yeah mm-hmm. so let's actually get into that a little bit um into your career as a massage equine massage therapist and vitality equine is this always something that you had your um eyes set on yeah um it wasn't always like, I don't think I came out of the womb being like, Hey, I'm going to become a horse massage therapist. <laughs> um, but I definitely, I grew up in a house where we're animal, like total animal lovers. And obviously the horse camp thing and just being enamored with, with horses um, for my entire life uh, has led me down that path. But I actually, weirdly enough, I went to um, university for, uh, for marine biology, and I was actually mm-hmm. a marine biologist before this. So I'm I'm curious to see what kind of profession I'll have 20 years from now. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> clearly I I have a I have a knack for niche professions. So I I work, and that's where kind of my love for science came um, has come from. Where I went to school, I studied to become a biologist. I started working with plankton, literally the smallest tiniest little creatures on the planet and then moved my way to horses. And uh, (laughs) there was just kind of this um, shift uh, in my life that uh, the ranch was open for the ranch that I I worked on, the horse camp was open for one last summer Hmm. uh, before they were closing down. And they're like, hey, do you want to be, you know, like a, do you want to be a head counselor, assistant head counselor for for this summer and I was like you know what I actually I do I want to work there for one more summer and and then that's it and so then I worked there for the last summer I met my partner John I bought a horse and then and then I started competing in endurance and competitive trail with my horse and then everything kind of shifted but not really shifted like it had Mm -hmm. always been there but then my career focus shifted into into and then yeah into the massage therapy I guess yeah I I really want to go back to kind of your marine biology like did you get to like play with seals or like see dolphins like what was that like especially going to school for that like that would be really cool girl it was so fun I honestly (laughs) I still hold such a big place in my heart for the ocean and for all the creatures that live in there and I'm Mm -hmm. always saying like You'll, you'll notice, like, as I'm talking that I'm a little bit airy-fairy, hippy-dippy, but I'm always saying to clients, like, you know, like, we love the ocean because, you know, our our blood, our lymphatic system, our circulation system, all of that is very salty. Like, we're made of the ocean. It's no wonder we're attracted to the ocean and that it brings us so much joy and happiness because I, I always say we're just, like, walking little oceans. But um, <laughs> I digress. Um, it, was, uh, uh, it was really fun. Um, I was able to study abroad for a year in Australia 
where mm-hmm. I was able to do some research with sea cucumbers on the Great Barrier Reef. Ah. I did research with dolphins. Um, with this, uh, it, that was so fun. We we would um, we would take DNA samples from dolphins, and we'd kind of like shoot little dart guns at them, <laughs> and it would just like scrape their skin, and um, and then we'd collect it. Uh, we also did research with. Dugongs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that animal. No. It's like, hmm. I guess a medium-sized marine mammal. It's one of only, it's one of uh, four living species of um, the Serenia order, which it's like kind of like a manatee. So if you Google oh, it, okay. it's like a manatee with like a with like a bigger kind of square-like mouth. Anyways, they're they're pretty rare, and it's like a sea cow. Because they used to be hunted um, quite heavily and almost hunted. Yeah, well, one one of the species was hunted to extinction. But anyways, I do, yeah, so we used to, in Australia, we used to, again, take DNA and fecal samples from the dugong. They're just these, like, sweet, like, little hippo. Like, imagine, like, this hippopotamus kind of dolphin. And they're really, like, spongy and, like, squishy and so nice it's just gentle beings uh-huh. and one time I was I was taking a fecal sample you like literally stick the tube up the butt and then <laughs> from like from physics and gravity the poop comes out into the tube and you have to take the tube and then on the other end you blow out oh the, my. the poop and you put oh, it in wow. the bag so <laughs> I, I I frigged up and I I sucked it in. Oh, no. I mean, it's just like, okay. So I oh my God. consumed dugong soup. Ew. But it was worth it. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. You're like, you know, it's just like a veg- It's a vegetarian of the ocean. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I guess. But it's like, you know, no. Anyway, so we definitely had some crazy experiences there. It's like a pureed yeah. salad or something. Yeah, no kidding. Processed salad. We normally ask people like funny or embarrassing stories at the end of the podcast, but I think you just covered that and topped it. No, she has to tell us two now. That was so scary. (laughs) I don't. I'll I'll try and think of some more. There's definitely more. But that is really cool. That's awesome. Oh, I think boy. that is one of my funniest stories that have been said on, or my favorite stories that have been said on the I podcast. Think so. That's, That's what, what I was thinking too. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be like a good, a good hook for, for the episode today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's so Vitality awesome. Vitality Equine consumes sea <laughs> cow <God>. poop. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I've been waiting for a good poop story. Those are the, those are the best kind of stories, our poop stories. Oh, my <laughs> oh gosh. yeah. I know. Thanks for breaking the ice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, dear. So um, can you tell us what all you offer at Vitality? And is it just equine? Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah. So with Vitality Equine, um, our main focus and dedication is optimizing equine athlete performance. At this time, we're only working with horses. And I guess... Mm -hmm. um, indirectly with horse owners we offer um massage therapy services for equine athletes and we also uh we're also really expanding now in providing 
um, in providing educational tools um, and um, it's, uh, yeah, uh, for for horse owners as well. So, um, so yeah, myself and my team um, with the with the massage therapy side of things, um, we're really passionate about horses, obviously, yeah. and we're really grounded in in science, as you can tell a little bit from my background. And Caroline, who's not on the call with us today, she's another Team VE massage therapist. She is uh, she has a background in uh, in sorry in kinesiology. Okay. So she's also really sciencey too. So we really like to ground all of our work in science, and then for, be able to provide like a high standard of of therapy for our equine athletes. So mm-hmm. we do that, and um, and by creating meaningful and scientifically based programs for for horses so we have the massage therapy side of vitality equine where we yeah we have the science we really incorporate a scientific approach we also really believe in a team approach so working closely alongside your veterinarian your farrier your chiropractor your physiotherapist your trainer whoever it just um it makes sense to trust more in a team approach in order Mm -hmm. to get the bigger picture of the athlete um, and not just looking at the athlete in, in kind of specific parts. And then I guess the third component of our massage is um, we also believe in a non-band-aid approach, so giving horse owners the tools necessary to help their own athletes every day. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you as a horse owner, you can create positive changes every single day in your horse's tissue. Like if we do, if we intentionally, you know, like let's say as humans decide to do um I don't know, a hundred sit-ups each day, you're going to create changes in your tissue. Mm -hmm. And you as a horse owner can create those positive changes in your horse's tissues every day as well. So we help by, you know, like taking a look at your horse's musculoskeletal system, where the imbalances, where the strengths, where the weaknesses. And then at the end of the day, we give you the tools. Like obviously we do the massage therapy program or, you know, session and um, we reduce tension and mobilize tissues and improve circulation. But at the end of the day, we give you personalized activation and suppling exercises so that you can help them move better every day. That's cool. That's our, that's kind of our biggest focus with the massage side of things. And then as we're, as we're kind of growing our educational side um, of the company, uh, we've recently started a YouTube channel where we, offer stretch of the month exercises for horse owners and then we interview uh, other horse professionals with tips and tricks for horse health and wellness mm-hmm. um and yeah we just really believe um behind the art and science of asking questions is the source of all knowledge so we really like to bring that into our into our youtube channel as well i was gonna say yeah we've definitely noticed how you guys are all over social media Mm -hmm. and you're super good with your stories and like you have tips on there and just like, you know, pictures of your sessions and stretches on there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I ask myself like as easy as it is, like I ask myself every, every morning, like, who do I want to be? Like, who do I want to become? What do I want Vitality Equine to be? Mm -hmm. And you know, how can we help more horses? How can we give this opportunity to others to help their horses? And now, I mean, obviously, COVID has made the online 
mm-hmm. um, present, very strong and much more meaningful than it was, you know, two months ago. Yeah. But we've definitely, even before this, have been shifting so that we can help more horse owners, not just here in Alberta, because we're based in Calgary, but, you know, there's so much you can do with, like, with connecting with horse owners online. And we want to provide those, edu- those like, free educational tools so that we can help more horses. Like, at the end of the day, if I've helped another horse feel better or activate their core so that they don't, you know, over-engage their glutes and get an injury, like, that's, that's the main goal for me and ultimately for Vitality Equine, too. We all, we all really do it for, for the benefit of the, of the horse athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's almost like you guys are bringing a whole other dynamic to uh, therapy for horses because not only are you helping the horse, but educating the horse owners is a whole other ball game, is what it seems like. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, uh, you know, I started Vitality Equine about five years ago, and um, with and where massage therapy was our main, main focus. Um, and it feels really good to dream big and to add to that focus. Like massage therapy is, is fantastic. I love it. You know, I, I truly believe in it. There's science behind it. We see positive changes in our athletes who work alongside your horse's team. But to bring it to the next step, you know, is, is really rewarding and really has been like a really fun and challenging experience for vitality equine as well we have some you know we have some big dreams and some big goals and i think um i'm bringing the online and educational component to it will allow us to to share and grow our community and build um build on the on the science behind horse health and wellness totally so so speaking of building and growing do you guys have any services you plan on adding to your company yeah, so I I would really like to add. Yeah, I would really like to. I'm putting. I'm definitely putting it out there intentionally in the universe and in search of. Um, I'd like to add um, a mental performance coach to the team. Ooh, I cool. find that mindset of when I'm working with horses, I'm working with their owners <clears throat> as well. And I see so much benefit when, or such a difference in the athlete when the owner has, um, has, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like an optimistic or a focused mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see that in the horse too. So kind of connecting the physical side that I've been working with for so many years to that limbic system, that emotional system for not only the horse, but also the rider. Um, We'd also, we're also in the works of adding, um, as I mentioned before, Caroline, another team VE member. She is a human kinesiologist. So, um, so also adding the, the physical fitness component for riders mm-hmm. to go along with the horse as well, if that makes sense. Like we're yeah. focusing on the horse physical. So let's also address the riders, um, postural preferences and fitness. So ultimately, it helps the horse. And then let's also address rider mindset and spirit. So it also addresses the horse as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm definitely open to adding more modalities in terms of like, you know, red light therapy, um, 
you know, other, yeah, other, um, yeah, I guess other therapeutic modalities. Mm-hmm. I just haven't, um, I haven't really um, found found one that 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 really works just yet. Like, or found a person that really works mm-hmm. yet. But that's mm-hmm. definitely. This is a call for anyone who wants to join the team. <laughs> You're definitely expanding, and oh, cool. uh, would love anyone to join. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of want to say like how. Um, is people like you that are really breaking ground and creating a whole nother dynamic in our industry. Like let's say like 10 years ago when we were all barrel racing, when we were young, like, there was nothing like this. So it's so <laughs> cool how people are bringing science and not only just trying to fix horses, but fix people too. And it's, it's just like, like I said, changing like the industry of, mm-hmm. of barrel racing and like performance horses as well, or even, even horses that are just at home. Like, it is really, really cool. Like you're creating almost a new, another pathway of communication with an animal that can't really talk to us, right? So yeah, the full picture. It's yeah, really yeah. interesting. And yeah, it's it's really cool to see the equine health and wellness industry that is really like I would say, well, in the last five years has exponentially, ex- uh, sorry, exponentially and dramatically grown, which is just yeah. like, amazing. Like we see so many more massage therapists. Chiropractors, mm-hmm. veterinarians working alongside um, therapeutic modalities, and it's it's so amazing to see. And you're exactly right. Where this used to only be offered in performance horse, like high level performance horses, you know, mm-hmm. um, Olymp- uh, Olympians. Now we're seeing yeah. it trickle through down to you know, like the the weekend competitor, those that are going for some bigger goals. Those mm-hmm. that are not competing, even those that just ride their horses in their backyard, we're seeing it. Like, I really see, it, especially in the Vitality Equine, you know, in our in our Team VE client base, I have all ranges. Like, you know, I have um, FBI dressage riders, and then I have riders that are that are riding um, in the pasture, yeah. and and the 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 common factor isn't the level of performance or isn't you know, that it's, it's the love that they have for their horse. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. no matter what level, that's what brings us all together. So, yeah. And, yeah. Even, and even, very true. and even those like people who are just trail riding or whatever mm-hmm. they're doing, they might have issues that need to be dealt with. Oops. <laughs> they might have issues yep. that need to be dealt with and without, they might be getting behavioral issues that could easily mm-hmm. be fixed with, yeah, with massage and not only just on the horse, but um, if you're working on the rider, because the horses, they might be compensating for something the rider's doing and you can fix the horse, but then without fixing the rider, then that problem's just going to keep coming back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys checked out Level Up Apparel yet? If not, check them out on our Instagram or their Instagram and use horsepoor at checkout to save yourself 10%. All right. So we're going to jump to a question from Instagram. What is the most common? Yeah. So Sarah asked, what is the most common thing you see on the performance horses you work on? Ooh, good question. I would say, hmm, I would say probably if I had to choose one, I do find that there are some discrepancies within, uh, within disciplines. Um, oh, yeah. But 
for the performance horse in general, I would say the most common area I see pinching or almost like a spasmodic tissue, which just means, um, uh, and I think we've experienced it before, either on our own bodies or we've seen it on our horse where you where you palpate and you touch their um, you touch their muscles and you see a little twitching in fiber. That just means um, the muscle fibers don't know if they should contract or relax. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've kind of either been overexerting or underexerting or holding more tension and holding more stress. And I see that commonly commonly in the performance horse within the lower back region. So just past where the saddle uh, sits mm-hmm. in the in the lumbar region before you reach the glutes. And I find um, that comes, that shows up a little bit more. Um, I see it in two times of the year. One, uh, after winter, as they're just, as some folks are, are getting back into like a more regimented um, conditioning program. Okay. And the horse is being asked to engage the hind end and hold that engagement for a longer period of time. Yeah. And then I see it again mid, mid-season, like August, um, where the horse has been performing at X level for so many months now. There's just a little bit more weakness. And what happens is, oh, you know, the horse might be feeling a little bit more fatigued, so they're not engaging their core as much, resulting in um, a little bit more pressure on their back, resulting in the glutes not activating and the quads and hamstrings taking more on. So that lower back spasm isn't necessarily directly related to the back itself, but to what's going on as a whole in the Mm -hmm. horse. So. I see that commonly with performance horse athletes as they're getting ready for the season and then as they might start experiencing fatigue. And so that's where the importance of having kind of a regular program comes in where I can visit them every, usually in the summer, every three to five weeks and, and check in. And if I see, you know, if I see this tension or spasming there, I'll work out the tension there, but also activate the glutes. It's very similar, I guess, to um, to human athletes, if anyone's ever experienced IT band pain or tension within their knee, and that's just um, muscles that start getting weak, and they recruit other muscles to um, to help out, which results in in kind of this onion layer pattern happening. Yeah. So I kind of have a question for you. Mm. Um, so being at home, like. In quarantine, we were watching like a lot of different training and riding videos, and obviously, saddle fit is very important for the back and everything. But mm-hmm. how important is like a saddle pad almost making the saddle fit better? And would that, like, you know what I'm kind of what kind of saying? Like some some people believe that the saddle can fit your horse, but to make it fit better, it's more important to have a better pad. Or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. So yeah. So, yeah, so you're asking, obviously, saddle fit is important so that it, it fits your horse's back. Like, what kind of role does the saddle pad have in, yeah. in, in that? Yeah. Um, I think, um, just based on my um, experience, I feel as if it depends on what stage of conditioning you're at with your athlete. So, if we have a horse that has, 
um, reduced thoracic and lumbar top line. So meaning like they're just a little bit hollow out there and they don't have, you know, um, a good kind of even muscle tone in their wither pocket, you know, kind of region versus the horse that has, that already has a really, really strong muscular back. Um, I think one, we'd need to individualize for both of those horses where, um, the horse without top line probably needs a little bit help for that saddle to fit with a specific pad mm-hmm. to fit the knit, like almost like the missing back muscle that's there. Um, and then with the horse that already has top line and you just want to, you want to make sure that the saddle feels good and fits right. I think the saddle pad certainly plays a role in, in helping saddle fit. But it is quite dependent on the horse. Like I do, like I think the factors that would need to be considered are, you know, like does the saddle pad flip around a lot? One thing I notice a lot in the Western world is, and I mean, especially we use or we we tend to use thicker wool pads, you know, for instance, like the five-star pads um, that are harder to, to clean. But in the English world, they wash their saddle pads like you know every day or like not every day but every week they either use another one or they wash it and I've I've actually been recently trying to kind of figure out like well in the you know in the western world we don't really wash our saddle pads that mm-hmm. often like well occasionally and so I, I wonder how that impacts um, saddle fit as well as you start to accumulate small smaller dirt particles and 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 fur during the shedding season on those pads. But to answer your question, I'd say that it's more important for the horse with less top line to have to be more intentional with that saddle pad choice. And that at the end of the day, when you're working with a performance horse who already has a, a you know, a pretty good top line, um, and maybe we're just working on smaller muscular imbalances, I think then the considerations to make are related to how it how it fits and how the horse deals with it okay so is there um a specific type of pad that you like to see Uh, not really um not really if there's like a saddle pad company that wants to pay me a ton of money to to say their pad i (laughs) can't we'll put that out there i can put a dollar price on that no i'll sell out (laughs) <laughs> Not really. Um, I do like five star pads, like I mentioned earlier, because they're quite uh, they're quite thick and juicy, which I appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. And but yeah, I'd say yeah, I'm not as um, picky with what pad it is, but certainly with how how the saddle, I guess, fits on the pad and how. Um, and maybe how clean that pad is as well. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point Thanks. because I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really like went in like pressure washed my saddle pad or anything, but that's definitely something to start to do now for sure. <laughs> and that's yeah, a whole new topic: thing. how to clean your saddle pad. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and I don't know either because it is like wool, and you're like, well, I don't want to mess it up, so I'm not saying I have the answer, but it's definitely a question that I've been considering well we're we're gonna have um the old owners from five star and hopefully the new owners on so we'll ask them yeah yeah 
Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, super. Yeah, the old owner, he he lives just an hour away from us up here. So. Oh, my God. Fun. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. And he has all these big Belgian horses and everything. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, they're amazing. pretty cool. Yeah, we're hoping we can still go there because of the virus. So. Yeah, we mm. might have to postpone that visiting yeah. part. Oh. But yeah. Cool. Oh, awesome. So, um, what is the most common thing you see in barrel horses specifically? Mm. Barrel horses specifically. Yeah, I was going to answer the previous question with barrel horses, but I was like, I bet you they'll ask a, they'll ask a barrel <laughs> question later and I can get into that. So, barrel horses, yeah, definitely considering um, the the lower back, as I, as I mentioned before, with other performance horses. And I find that that's because, uh, obviously, all the power comes from the hind end, kind of propulses them forward. So, it mm-hmm. makes sense. If you think about the kinetic energy that has to go through those tissues and that skeletal structure, it's a lot of energy and which means a lot of like, you know, on a cellular level, a lot of cellular movement and a change in electrons. And so you obviously you accumulate more tension and stress there if you have more propulsive forces moving there. Um, But for barrel racers, uh, one one area that I that I do know or that I'm always very aware and intentional of of reaching in all of my sessions are the are the are, is the shoulder region but moreover the the pectoral region so obviously as you are turning barrels at high speed in both directions um, your horse has to um, have to have to slow down and pretty much, you know, slow down almost to a stop and then make the turn. So it requires a lot of strength mm-hmm. and requires a lot of, um, there's a lot of concussive force that comes to slow down and stop and then turn. And where I notice a lot more tension or imbalances rather is there's always one barrel that they take better, you know, whether yeah. it's the right or to the left. And I find that a lot of that comes from the the imbalances within the pectoral and shoulder muscles. And I actually have an amazing, you've just inspired me. I have an amazing um, stretch that is so essential for every barrel horse in the world that, is, that stretches out and activates the pectoral and shoulder muscle. Okay. Um, I yeah, am please still- tell us. Yeah, I'm filming it. Actually, I was just saying, I said you inspired me because I'm filming a YouTube stretch, um, stretch tomorrow. So I'm going to choose that stretch. Oh, cool. That That'd be awesome. So <laughs> it'll be released on Saturday, but you guys just inspired me. I'm going to do that. Well, I'm check it out. The I'll horse anyway. Yeah, we'll yeah. share that but, definitely. But essentially, it's um, it's like um, it's like a shoulder and pectoral opener. So you um, you pick up your horse's uh, forelimb as if you're going to pick out their, their hooves and kind of keep their limb in a 90 degree angle. And then you bring that leg outwards away from the midline to stretch oh, okay. those pectoral muscles and mm-hmm. engage the shoulder muscles. And then you do the opposite um, where you then bring the knee in to touch the other knee to oh, stretch wow. the shoulder mm-hmm. and engage the pectoral. Because I find that 
as barrel racers, you know, uh, or sorry, barrel racing equine athletes, there are, they have really strong muscular shoulders and we tend to over-focus on the shoulders, but the opposing muscle group that allows for, in order for your horse's shoulder to contract, the Mm -hmm. pectoral needs to relax. So if the pectoral is tense, it will not allow the movement of the shoulder. So that's where, in a muscular point of view, there's always um, there's always an opposing force that needs to relax to allow for contraction. Okay. So the easiest way to think about that, and because it is a little bit harder to visualize on a podcast, is if you, for you as a, as a human, if you uh, flex your biceps and you point to the direction of the beach, uh, your biceps are contracting, but your triceps need to relax in order for yeah. that bicep to contract. But you know, hypothetically speaking, what if your triceps were super tight and you could hardly, you know, flex your elbow or bring your hand to your shoulder as you're, as you're um, contracting your biceps? That's what's happening with the pectorals and shoulders in a lot of barrel horses, too. Interesting. Well, I just definitely learned something new because, like, whenever I think of my horse being sore, I always think about the back or, like, you know, stifle or, or, sure. yeah. or her hips. I just I never ever thought of the pectoral muscles. So that's really cool. Definitely mm-hmm. learned something new. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Those pesky pecs. You gotta you gotta keep walking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so these stretches, are they something you recommend to do before or after every ride, or does it depend on the stretch? Yeah, so the well, the stretch that I just kind of described, mm-hmm. I recommend that after a ride or after your athlete has been warmed up if you do have a program where you where you lunge your horse for a little bit and then you stretch them and then you get to the the harder work for instance then you can do it there but for most of the exercises um that that cnde offers we if it's a if it's called an activation we recommend doing it before okay you ride and then it's called it a stretch and recommend it after you ride. And that's simply because our activations are more like pulses um, and more about waking up the neural pathways that uh, that fire uh, the muscle contraction um, mechanism. And then our stretches are about elongating the fibers and relaxing the tissue. And that can be... Uh, I guess, dangerous for a horse that's cold and not warmed up. You just mm-hmm, won't mm-hmm. get as great of a range of motion. And so it's not as effective for long-term flexibility. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So do you see different issues in jackpot horses versus rodeo horses? Um, I guess it depends on the frequency. Um, I'd say I don't... Hmm, yeah, I don't really see differences across, yeah, jackpot or rodeo horses. But where I would see differences is um, is is moreover in the horse that competes, you know, that does, I don't know, uh, two two races a week versus four races a week. That's where mm-hmm. I start seeing more um, musculoskeletal changes and where anyone you know if you do a jackpot wednesday night thursday night and then saturday morning then you do a double on sunday 
to me, from the muscular side of things, that's a lot. That's a mm-hmm. lot. And I, I, and I, but that's not to say it's not possible. It just requires more of a, more of a dialed in, like tuned in performance, um, massage and Cairo and veterinary program to, to go along with that. So what that's the most amazing part about our athletes is that they can, do all of this, but in order to promote longevity in our athletes, I think that that's where it becomes even more important to have an intentional program with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you see new clients, do you find if there is issues, a lot of time they have snowballed from maybe other issues? Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's pro- probably the greatest challenge um, that I have or that we have when we see new clients is, okay, we, we are observing an imbalance here. Like let's say for instance, they're leaning super heavily onto the right shoulder and the right hip is, is sitting way more forward and they're having issues turning left. So for, for us, it's trying to determine, okay, what muscles can we release to help balance and straighten the athlete? What exercises can we give to the horse owner to continue to to balance and straighten the athlete to allow them to move left in this case? Mm-hmm. And um, what is the center of that onion? Um, because I definitely find, like, I'm not going to go on here and, and say, like, one massage is going to fix your horse. Mm-hmm. One massage will help a be, a be an amazing assessment tool, even just us watching your horse you know, move and watching them posturally before we even touch them. We know exactly what's happening. You know, we can see where they're, where they're leaning, where they're preferring to to track up or not track up. And, and then the massage is is certainly helpful in that, but then the rest is really up to the horse owner and will give, as I said, we'll give exercises, we'll check in and again in four weeks, adapt the exercises. But uh, yeah, ultimately, Every, every new horse we, we see, we have to find the center of the onion or how we can best approach, um, a best approach balancing the athlete for ultimately increased longevity of the athlete and increased range of motion and flexibility for the athlete too. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. you, when you do have an issue that you need to work through, how often do you recommend a horse comes in to deal with that issue mm-hmm. initially? Yeah, it depends. Um, I feel like I, I always answer that. I'm like, it's dependent on the, <laughs> well, yeah. on the situation. Yeah. But it is, and so I'm an urge to say that. But I would say most of, like, Vitality Equine clients are, are on a four-week program. They are competing. Um, they're competing with their horses. They have goals with their horses. Um, so, I rec- honestly, I usually don't really recommend a specific time frame. Like if I'm working with a rehab horse, it's usually every two weeks. Uh, for instance, I'm working with a horse right now that broke its pelvis in the fall. So we're on a pretty consistent program. Oh, um, yeah. And then, but then we have the performance horse. It's a 10 year old horse uh, ridden by a 14 year old girl, six days a week uh, performs like shows at Spruce Meadows at RMSJ is, is consistently jumping and then they're also on like a little bit of a 
of a more of a closer program too, like mm-hmm. every four weeks. The biggest thing I recommend, honestly, I'm like I if you want to get your horse massaged every two weeks, great. If you want to do it every four weeks, super. Every 12 weeks, that's fine by me. I think the most important is to have a consistent program. So yeah. if you want to get, you know, if they want to do massage every three months, at least you get to visit that athlete, change up the program, help facilitate releases in the tissue. And then we get to visit, we know we get to visit it again in three months. So to me, the time frame is less, I'm less picky about it because I obviously understand like budgets and, yeah. and 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 that kind of thing as well. So as long as it's consistent, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Which has been hard for me because as of late, as of Monday, we we closed down our doors for massage. Yeah, um, for two weeks, and we're going to reevaluate. But that means that all of these consistent programs that we have are going on a little bit of, yeah. of a hold. So, but mm-hmm. we do have a new program that um, we instilled uh, this week um, to help, to help serve horse owners better during this time, which mm-hmm. is an online assessment program. So yeah, we're doing good. that. So that, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does an appointment with Vitality Equine work? Like, do, the, do you uh, go to the client's house or do they bring the horse to you? Is there a consultation period? Or how how does the appointment with you start? And then um, what does your program generally look like for a performance horse? Yeah, so um, yeah, someone will book in uh, with Vitality Equine. We'll give them an initial intake form that just uh, reviews some of the history of the horse, like if they have history of uh, injury or if they were in a different discipline before they became a barrel racer, that kind of thing just to get a better idea of the history of the horse. Um, Then the session, um, the first session includes, um, and every session thereafter, actually, I do, we don't really have um, like a first time session and then like a second, you know, we, all of our sessions are structured the same. So it starts with a static and dynamic assessment, which just means we, we watch the horse walk or move. Um, in ideal cases, we can watch the horse being ridden by the rider, or if we can, um, if we can lunge them, we can see them trot and canter as well. And then we, and then we do a little static assessment. So we palpate the tissue from side to side, feeling uh, for tension or for overdevelopment, underdevelopment, um, feeling for any nicks and scratches, old injuries. And then we, um, from there, we definitely with the first session we try and apply as as much of a full body massage as possible so addressing as many muscles and those insertion points which just means where the muscle meets the bone to help um yeah to uh, to help promote circulation uh facilitate healing and ultimately prevent injury and then we give um we write up a report and then we give suggested exercises where we talk about, you know, what your conditioning and training program is and what you can add to it in order to help your athlete. And then from there, um, they get the report, they get a PDF with stretches based on what their horse needs. And then we, um, yeah, and then we schedule a next session um, accordingly. So most of our performance horses, uh, we see them every month. 
And we'll do that again for the second session, for the third session, um, because I do find that no two sessions are like, even with the same athlete, like mm-hmm. one, they start to get more comfortable with you. They start to really open up and release um, the more that they get to know us and their practitioners. And then two, you know, a horse is going to feel different halfway through the season versus versus now or something like that. So we really try to um, to continue to assess the horse before every session, um, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. You guys are a very professional program is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, thanks, thanks, all. You're so sweet. We try. We really yeah. try. Well, it yeah, it definitely, definitely seems like that. So we all know it takes a whole team to keep these athletes feeling their best and performing at their best. Veterinarians, dentists, nutritionists, massage therapists, and many more. Do you find that when the horse might have underlying medical problems, I'm going to use ulcers as an example because I think I have a horse like this right now. Do they Mm -hmm. show a little bit of body soreness because of maybe underlying medical issues like ulcers or if you have any other examples that you've seen? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I definitely work with a lot of horses that um, have ulcers, have been scoped and have been tested for ulcers or the owner or veterinarian suspects that this horse might be, um, might, might have ulcers. So it's a great example. And I definitely, there's definitely like little hot spots. So, you know, in the initial intake history form, you'd probably write, "Ah, I think suspected ulcers and so or or yeah or like I guess if you don't write it we check for it anyways but there's particular hot spots with ulcers that you can check for so obviously how they're responding to palpation around the girth around the wither pocket around the lower back um, around like kind of where the shelf of the ribs ends like kind mm-hmm. of in like the the loin region a lot of horses with ulcers will show um, negative reactions to even like light palpation there. And it, I, I do compare mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I do compare it to human athletes, you know, like if we are feeling discomfort within our digestive system, we don't necessarily want to be touched in those regions either. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, horses have such a, such a stronger um, or I would say such a, a, a way more sensitive nervous system as well, that even the, the slightest touch under those conditions can, um, can react, um, it can result in a, in a stronger reaction. So, so when I do palpate and I feel that, you know, oh, the ulcer hotspots are, are showing, you know, are, are firing up for me, I'll mm-hmm. ask the owner if, you know, if ulcers is, is, is an issue, if they've worked with it with their best. And there's certainly strokes that I can do to help alleviate if the horse will allow me. But typically it needs to be solved from the inside out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it an actual <laughs> muscle soreness or is that like a, what do you call that? Like almost like a reflexology reaction to being connected to the ulcer situation somehow? Mm, yeah, I'd say it's starts as the latter so it starts as a as a reflex like oh yikes don't touch me I'm ouchy Mm -hmm. and then and then they hold themselves they carry themselves in a certain way to avoid feeling 
that ouchiness Mm -hmm. and then you get the compensatory muscle soreness. So it's kind of, I think it starts as one and evolves into, into the muscle soreness, depending on the length of time that they've been trying to evade that yucky feeling, um, technical term. And then they, and then they, and then they exhibit muscle soreness as a result from it. Gotcha. Well, I might just have to take you up on a virtual assessment later and show mm-hmm. you what I'm seeing and feeling. Girl, and you should make a plan. <laughs> we should yes, record stuff. You should actually like record like how you do it, and then we can post that. Yes, somehow, yes, some way we will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we will definitely well, chat about that after. <laughs> well, and and this week, um, we'll probably extend into the week after. But this week, we have a special promo with our online assessments. So okay. everyone who signs up for um, for a program, like a three-month program of assessment, they are getting um, a four-liter pail of flaxseed oil and a $50 gift card to Cody and Sue, which is like this... Um, oh, I love that our, Yeah, it's one cool. of our Western partners. So, And then they're also getting um, a $50 gift card to... Sweetgrass and Segura Media Services. So um, we're just trying to support the community during this challenging time. So we Mm -hmm. kind of partnered up with three of our friends at Energy Equine as well to to give back to those companies and then also to our clients to continue serving our horses better. So, yeah. Oh, I love that idea. That's pretty neat, yeah. Hey, Rider Dies. If you haven't already, make sure you check out OE Nutraceuticals in Canada for clinically proven and tested supplements. And be sure to use our code HORSEPOOR for 10% off. How does a horse with anxiety going into the arena or just anxiety during the run, how does that affect their muscles? Mm -hmm. So I'd say what it does is it it adds a limbic system a limbic system problem, I guess, to to the already existing um, muscular considerations we need to make. So, um, when I say limbic system, it's it's a set of structures in in the brain that deal with emotions and memory. Um, it also regulates the the autonomic and like endocrine function. Um, in response to emotional stimuli. So stimuli. So when you have a horse that's super anxious, their emotion, like you can feel their anxiety. You can feel that when they're in the arena, they're tense. So they're already contracting these muscles or they're behaving in a certain way that is affecting their physical system. So when they're, when their nervous not tight, it, it's going to reveal itself in their muscles. So then when you do run them in the arena and they have to be precise and fast and coordinated, but they're starting at a level of tension and of anxiety, it's definitely going to affect how they perform in the arena in some capacity. But that doesn't mean that that horse will, will not be able to perform as, as as the rider wants. There's a lot of horses that we know in the barrel race world that are very anxious and are rearing to go and they almost get like this impulsive shot of energy from it. But at the end of the day, I would say that that limbic system affects the physical system in some capacity. So you 
you can help that anxiety by relieving any tension that does build up in the physical system, if that makes sense. Totally. Okay, mm-hmm. I have one more question. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Um, so when underlying problems are solved, such as ulcers, as we were talking about before, or anxiety or anything like that, how long does it take to build up their muscle properly and get rid of body soreness caused by those issues? Yeah. Oh, good question. Really good question. So, and I think we can extrapolate that to, to in general, like, yeah, if you're, if your horse is showing muscle soreness, like how long does it take? to dissipate mm-hmm. and and to balance out um, the muscles so that they're working evenly and in, in proper like form and biomechanics. Um, I guess with anxiety, yeah, or let's start with ulcer issues, step one would be to fix the ulcers, go mm-hmm. to your veterinarian and, and get the proper treatment for those mm-hmm. um, in conjunction with fixing the muscular patterns that have that have developed as a result yeah and i think um timeline for for balancing depends on how um on how long it takes for your horse to respond to the medication and everything like that but then to how you implement if you're working with your horse every day on stretching activating and strengthening according to a vitality equine plan or or, or to your veterinarian's plan, then you you will definitely see the balance hap- the balancing of the muscles happen more quickly. Okay, I do think that there's some there's the one thing that we can't the one variable that we can't really control is I do find that with horses you facilitate healing, you facilitate balance, and you facilitate all of these, um, all of these aspects, but your horse has to accept it too. Mm-hmm. So that's where the timeline can change. If your horse is like quick to adapt to the new changes and things you're asking them to do, like we don't want you leaning on that right shoulder anymore. We want you to also, you know, pick up the right shoulder and use your left shoulder as well. Yeah. That kind of thing. So I think a one the variable that you can control is that you can, like I said at the beginning of the pod, was you can control everything. You can control what kind of exercises and mm-hmm. stretches you do specific to your horse. And you can do that every day and you can promote changes in that soft tissue every day. Like soft tissue is changeable. It's malleable. And that's the beauty of it. Um, but unfortunately, your horse is going to be 22 hours a day doing whatever, it's want, whatever <laughs> it wants, holding itself in whatever position it's, it wants, whatever's most comfortable. That's so that it's up true. to you in those two hours to be intentional and to ask for those specific, um, those specific, um, you know, like postural um, preferences and ways of, of moving. And then, the, the unfortunately, the variable we can't control, we cannot control as, as much as if we're facilitating the healing, um, the horse needs to also adapt it. So for some horses, it might, it might, you might see a big change and you'll be back to normal in a month. And some horses, it takes three months. Yeah. Usually, the literature says about three, about three months for, for a change because you're also asking for. Um, the neuromuscular junctions to change, the muscular between 
between muscle to muscle to change, between muscle to skeletal junctions to change and to and to get back into a normalcy. So um so then with the yeah, so with that it it can take some time. I think with the anxious horse, I think that one is a little bit more of a longer road. Um and the best thing you can do to help is to give them that give them give them more time when they're not in an anxious state yeah to help them and then to help their body their physical side more with balancing the physical side to ultimately help the mental side because i mean there's a lot of amazing performance horses that do that are anxious but and will always be anxious so it's just a matter of continuing to provide comfort and provide Mm -hmm. um stress-free environments for them on top of keeping up with their physical um yeah components yeah and if you Mm -hmm. make it easy for them like when they're not stressed then you can work on building Mm -hmm. that muscle properly and then when they do get to that stressful environment they're yeah you're not fighting two things at once kind of thing yeah exactly yeah so we're going to move into aftercare now that you've talked about all the benefits that massage does give our horses. So what do you recommend for care after your treatment? Mm. So after a session, uh, we recommend uh, giving the rest of the day off as possible just to allow their body to kind of like feel what changes we've made in their tissue and allow them to kind of like just like shake it out and relax for the rest of the day. If you do ride them that day, that's fine as well. Uh, we just recommend you keep the ride pretty light and pretty simple. No, no strenuous and really um, strength um, inducing exercises. Um, then we recommend, yeah, after that day has passed, uh, and let's say, you know, tomorrow we massage today, they have the rest of the day off. Tomorrow we, the next day we highly recommend riding because that's where you will feel and see the most benefits from the session. You'll feel more of that flexibility within their within their turns or more of a, a power and find an engagement. So you'll really see what 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 um, what we created during the session and you'll be able to feel it and then really understand the importance of applying the recommended stretches and activations that we've given to you to keep that feeling as long as possible. Uh, until the next session. So, yeah, I'd say that's, that's pretty much it. Perfect. And we don't want to share all your secrets on here, but could you give us a little teaser <laughs> of uh, maybe <laughs> like what a riding exercise, maybe a riding exercise that you might send your clients home with um, that you recommend to them to keep their horses feeling good? Yeah, totally. And on it, I mean, I'm more than happy to share any of these exercises. <laughs> None of them are a secret. Um, <laughs> So one of the stretches we'd share is like that shoulder stretch that we mm-hmm. that we already kind of talked about earlier. But in terms of riding exercises, there's a lot um, that you can do under saddle. And I, by no means, am I a trainer, so I do like to work really closely with trainers who already have, you know, developed these amazing exercises. And mm-hmm. I usually, in that case, I'll say, hey, you know, like let's do an exercise that focuses on lateral work in the forehand or lateral work in the hind end kind of thing. But um, 
one exercise that we that I really love that I've kind of been obsessing with lately is playing around um, with uh, with speed within a gate. Uh, okay. So with collection and extension within a gate. So for instance, um, I guess it's like a little bit of a dressage energy, but it's um, like you know if you're if you're working your horse in a, in a trot. Um, playing around with trotting in a very collected frame mm-hmm. where you really feel that power coming in from the hind end yeah. and um, and moving them forward and then moving them in more of an extended frame after that where you're not like not engaging your hind yeah. end, but it's like a little bit of like a, a lower, longer trot and then moving back into that really tight trot and then into that mm-hmm. extension. That's a really, really good one for core strengthening because as you can imagine, as they kind of expand and 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 kind of tighten up, their their core is engaging a little bit more and then engaging a little bit less. So it's a really great core builder. And I've been I've been really encouraging owners to play around with speeds within each gate. So also doing that at a low or even at the walk as well. I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And that's something yeah. easy you can do. Like if you're just riding down the road because it's yeah. snowy and, mm-hmm. and it's too deep, like that's so easy to do in a straight line. Anywhere. Yeah. 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 yeah that actually is a good, a really good, even when it starts to melt a little bit, you can kind of go into a field and just trotting, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's a little safer. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, very, it's really versatile. And then, you can even, you know, um, challenge you guys to even like um, make an interval timer for it, you know, where you have 30 seconds of con- contracted, collected trod, 30 seconds of extended, and you do that three times and then you relax at a walk. And yeah. really playing around with building a, a building a program, we don't get that specific. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure we can, but uh, we don't get that specific with our exercises. But I love doing that especially for spring conditioning um it's building up that cardio yeah training. and, and you, so could e- you can use a lot of these exercises for that yeah and you could even use that tabata app to do that set mm-hmm. the set the yes, timer i love that <laughs> yeah exactly. tabata or tabata <laughs> i don't know i work out in the gym it. that we tabata. do yeah. tabata i think tabata. If you're on it you're on it okay yeah. <laughs> oh that's cool. Yeah, because then they just they say it for you, right? Yeah, exercise, recover. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Ah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's me. Um, so, what is your? Do you have an opinion on on uh, doing more circles with a horse in the arena or more straight work? Does that affect their body a whole lot? Um. Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't really have an opinion per se of which one is better I guess I would say it definitely works the body and the musculature in a different way um both are hard um I'd say that there's something to be said about really working in a straight line and trying to get as balanced balanced movement Mm -hmm. with all four limbs with the back with the head with the neck and with the pole and that actually working straight is probably harder for a lot of horses as they, as they tend to prefer moving to the right or moving to the left more. Um, I'd say the biggest 
consideration I would make there is um, is making sure that you know you wake up on Sunday morning and you create your riding you know your your riding calendar for that week. Make sure you have one day that's more focused on circle work and one day that's straight work um, where you're intentionally working on on straightness. Um, and balancing out those two aspects. So making sure you're not doing more of one than the other, just because, yeah. you know, going to the left might be easier. So I'm just going to do that. It's less of a fight, less, less, <laughs> of, less of a workout for me. But to really be, again, intentional and connected with, with the work that you're doing and making sure that it's, it's balanced. So keeping, being mindful of, of what you're doing more of and maybe you're probably should, you're probably ignoring one a little bit more. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great idea. I never even thought to make a schedule like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl, I do it every. I do it every day. Or well, <laughs> when, awesome. I had a, when I had a horse, I did it every week. Like, okay, I'm definitely gonna be able to ride three times. What am I gonna work on? And what's what's really nice about the schedule? Um, I kind of I actually made an ebook for this as well, um, and I I want to put it on my website for free, so I'm gonna do that. But it's um, what's really cool about about creating that schedule at the beginning of the week is that it allows you to connect to your greater vision. Like, is there a vision with your force to make it to the CFR? Is it to place in the one D with your, um, you know, with your jackpot series? Like, what is your vision? And then you sit down on on Sunday and you think about, okay. This is where my horse is at right now. This is my current reality. What are the steps that I need to take to get to that vision? And you can you can you can think about that every every you know at the beginning of every week or at the beginning of every month. You know, my horse doesn't have a really good top line. Its core is not as strong. It can't really hold a collective lope for that long. But in order to get to my vision, I need to get there. So what exercises can I do to fill the gap between my current reality and between the goal and the vision with my horse? And it just really helps bring it all together. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. I love my barrel racing planner. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people too. Like I'll, I'll make monthly goals and weekly goals and then I'll plan my week and I'll pick like what I'm going to work on with my horse, but also what I'm going to work on with me as a rider. Like if one day I'm going to really focus on just having quiet hands or just yeah, anything like cool. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're like definitely extremely organized and <laughs> you're my full uh, person to be a little bit more organized like ah, starting to realize you can't just roll out of bed every morning and figure out what you're doing that day maybe it's good to have a little bit of a plan <laughs> oh boy well we're getting some pretty cool planners pretty soon we won't we won't give any details yet but yeah then, then Ooh, you'll be able to be organized <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna be like the little kid com- or copying someone else's homework with your day planner. There. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, that's cool. That's such a good thing, though. Hmm. Hmm. So, are there any specific exercises you would um, want someone to avoid for a short amount of time after they've been massaged, like say doing rollbacks or anything more intense like that? Um, again, I wouldn't recommend the day of after okay. the massage, but the, the following day, I think that you can, 
um, get back into your normal routine. Okay. Uh, that being said, there's always exceptions. Like sometimes if I end up doing like a really deep tissue therapy session with a horse, which means that I'm just breaking apart more um, more of the muscle tissues, which is resulting in some more, um, I, it's not really toxin buildup, but it results in some post-massage soreness. You know, if you've ever gone to massage, mm-hmm. it's really deep tissue and you kind of feel achy a little bit the next yeah. day. I'll let the owner know when I have facilitated a massage like that. And I'll just be like, hey, just so you're aware maybe let's like give it a few more days and let's just work on some like long and low work the following okay. day and kind of build it up. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, as I mentioned earlier, horses have such a sensitive nervous system that less is totally more. And usually I find in, in, in the sessions that they have crazy amazing changes with just the lightest amount of pressure, but it's very intentional pressure based on, uh, based on their you know, on which direction the fibers are going. And I see really big changes without that much deep, deep tissue work. So that's that's pretty cool to be a part of as well. And also, I would be exhausted if I was giving a deep tissue massage therapy. You know, yeah. <laughs> a second yeah. to of course, like that would, I can't do that. You'd be sore. <laughs> I'd be sore. I'm already sore. So, yeah. But yeah, so it's, I'm grateful that horses are so dang sensitive because <laughs> then it allows me to intentional work and and really create changes but yeah mm-hmm. with those deep tissue sessions they have to really want it like they have to really ask for it okay. and they do that they do that by the biggest like the way i compare it is you know if you if you touch your eyeball when your eye, eye is closed and you press down too hard and it kind of hurts your eye <laughs> uh, i start with an eyelid pressure so before getting to that kind of ouchy um yeah and i um and i start with the eyelid pressure and if they want more pressure from me they'll lean more into my into my throat okay and so some of them will ask like i see it a lot with the venting horses where they um they love deep pressure in their in their hamstring group for instance and they're literally pushing back against me i'm like cornered up in a stall with a you know (laughs) 1200 pound animal with huge hamstrings so I'm giving like literally like punching them with all my force <laughs> might not punch them, but like pushing into them like with all my with all my force and yeah. as much as possible because that's how much like they need that deep pressure so mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting that's me with my husband. I'm always trying to get him to like really deeply massage my legs <laughs> after I work out. And he's just like, how does that feel good? Like, geez, like I'm sore from trying to rub your freaking legs. <laughs> That's hilarious. I can't handle that. No, I, I want it like light, just like a relaxation massage. I can't do the deep tissue. Oh, no, I got to have this. <laughs> get in there and get her done. <laughs> Yesterday I, <laughs> yesterday, I woke up and I felt my calves are sore after our workout. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Landon, my calves are sore. I was so excited. And he's like, why would you be excited about that? <laughs> I'm like, that means the workout was good. <laughs> he's like, why calves, though? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> my view is that you can't really get sore from laying on the couch. So I'm, I'm kind of good with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Uh, so we kind of talked already a little bit about stretches. 
But what are some good stretches you'd recommend for a performance work? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say definitely um, because we mentioned that um, lower back um, lower back tension tends to be a common uh, a common area of um, of stress in performance horses. Uh, I would recommend uh, lower back stretches for performance horses as well to alleviate any contractile fibers that might be remaining in that area from from that tension. Um, and those stretches can be done under saddle and also in hand. In hand, we have uh, a variety of stretches that you can apply from um, from tail folds to lumbar tuck to belly lift and um, to even like certain massage strokes to help alleviate tension there. So, yeah, there's definitely um, a few things that I would recommend for the performance horse, but I would definitely tailor it to their discipline and to their, to their individual musculature. Mm -hmm. We will be checking out your YouTube for those too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, check it out. I do have a, I think I have, um, yeah, I, yeah, I have a, a great, there's a great cat cow activation that's great for, um, lumbar, yeah, for lower back. And then there's a quad activation as well, but all of them will be uploaded eventually. Okay. Um, for, for horse owners to, to observe. Yeah. Yeah. And then you probably go over like how to make sure you're properly doing them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm excited. For that. It's hard to describe over the phone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get a little bit back into fitness and getting horses back into shape. Is there any sort of certain fitness routine that you recommend to ensure that they're building all their muscles up properly and not getting sore um, when originally getting back into shape from some time off? Yeah. Um, Again, aside from the, um, from obviously tailoring it to their, um, to their specific needs, um, I'd recommend that the fitness, uh, fitness program, uh, especially for barrel, for barrel racers should include, um, a cardio, uh, portion and a strength portion. So, um, cardio being, um, like, um, again like similar for 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 horse uh for humans you know we're not just going to go running and on the spin bike we also need to lift weights so a combination Mm -hmm. between cardio work and strength training work depending on what what discipline you're in and um the cardio work you know with interval training with um with going for jogs with you know loping uh loping trotting the arena um mm-hmm. in in circles for several minutes and building up that cardiac strength so that you can push um you can um not push but you can uh increase your uh your cardiovascular um your aerobic capacity when you're working but then obviously for barrel racers you take such tight turns at high speeds and you need really precise movements so you also need to be mindful of building the strength components with, with obviously all the drill work you do with, with barrels and that kind of thing. So I'd say the biggest thing for fitness and conditioning now is, um, 
is including a cardio component, strength component, and then lastly, um, also being mindful of recovery time after you're doing strength training as well. Okay. Yeah. And so for a time frame, like more specifically, do you find that, you know, it's, it's like that three month time from, for muscle, I guess, muscle wise for a horse to get back into, you know, decent enough condition to, you know, start thinking about entering. Right. Um, I'd say I'd probably go with like the classic 90 day kind of, um, yeah, outlook. Um, one, because that's what a lot of the scientific literature shows. And two, um, I don't think you need to, um, like, I, you know, I don't think it needs to be like, okay, I'm not going to sign up for a jackpot until it's been three months or something, you know, until it's been 90 days. But I think, uh, depending on where you're, you know, if you've been riding throughout the winter and they've been, you know, keeping up their condition, um, then, then you can, um, then you can, you know, you're probably ahead of the game in terms of like building that aerobic capacity and, and that spring training. But I'd say, yeah, 60 to 90 days is, is probably what I would recommend before getting into some, you know, into an intense performance schedule. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then I did think of another question on that too. So say you have a, a seasoned horse, like a mature horse, and you uh, rodeo on them all summer, and then you turn them out for two, two or three months in the winter. How much muscle do you think they retain, or is it like starting back from square one after you have a few months off? Yeah, good question. I'd say it's um, it's a pet, like you know, there's some horses similar to some people who are who are just blessed with you know being able to like yeah. hold muscle or hold mm-hmm. fitness without doing any work. Um, so I definitely see that. Um, individual that there's some horses that are like that but what they will not be able to hold on to is some of that aerobic capacity that i was talking about their cardio strength um how long and but they and they will and also um muscularly how long they can hold a contraction or how how much they can you know flex a certain joint so you might you'll see some horses that reduce that lose a lot of muscle tone mm-hmm. and you'll kind of, you'll definitely need to start back at square one. Um, and two, if, even if you have horses that have kept some of their muscle tone and kept pretty strong core and strong top line, you'll see reduced contractile strength and reduced aerobic capacity. So you won't be starting at square one, but you'll definitely have to be mindful of where you're starting in terms of, in terms of that. Gotcha. Okay. And so barrel racing is pretty, like, it's pretty high intensity for those 17 seconds you're making a run. Lots of people like to breeze their horses to get them in shape for that. Um, Do you think this is the only way or is there any other exercises you could do without having to breeze through a field? Like if you didn't have a safe area or, or if you didn't have a track or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, I definitely think it's it's certainly easier to to work on the track or in the field to mm-hmm. increase aerobic um, capacity. But interval training is certainly helpful okay. in building that aerobic strength. Where you ask them, you ask their heart, 
to increase uh, beats per minute and then you slow down and then you increase the beats per minute again and then you slow down. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually, I hope, I hope to see, I think in five years and 10 years, I think a lot, five years for sure, I think a lot more of us will be working with heart rate monitors on our horses yeah. because it can be more indicative of, of what's going on there too. That's so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, but I'd say, yeah, I'd say uh, I'd give advice to those that don't have a bigger space to to probably focus on on interval training in terms of um, building up that aerobic capacity. Just like humans, hey, yeah. the hit workouts. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. How do you gauge where they are at fitness wise, and how hard to push them when getting them back in shape? Mm, another good question. Um, <laughs> Well, what I always say to horse owners and is that is that a lot of the questions we have about our horses, we already know the answer to. You know, like we all need to follow that gut instinct we mm-hmm. have. You know, if you're like, oh, yo, my horse feels a little bit tight, a little bit sore. I don't think I should ride today, but I really need a ride because I said on my Sunday schedule it's going to ride. But you kind of <laughs> don't follow your gut instinct and then something happens. So I find that this is definitely one of those gut instinct um, reminders that ultimately you know how hard you can push your horse, you know. Um, but a good measure for it would be if you if you start seeing your horse fatigue or take a misstep or not being able to cross over as readily, you know, in the hind end or in the front end or you're feeling kind of shortened hip protraction, then I would say your horse is getting fatigued and you need to be mindful of that. So when they start to fatigue, to like to slow down and then give them a rest and give them a break and then build it back up, you know, a few days later kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So to monitor if they are, you know, if muscles are misfiring or they're showing weakness or they're not being able to hold their collected frame for longer than 20 seconds, like it's all good. But instead of pushing them through that, like, okay, let's do it again. Let's go over the poles so you don't hit them or let's go over Let's see the circle again while you're holding that contract. It's not gonna. It's not gonna help in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as we mentally want to, like I said, I was gonna do three minutes of collected work, but you know, it's like, well, if your horse can only do a minute, do a minute, yeah, and then respond to that. And um, so yeah, so monitor any fatigue, symptoms of fatigue, and then also, also like believe, trust your gut as well. I think that's a big one that we sometimes miss when yeah. we do get on a schedule or we do, we are looking towards that greater vision and we're trying to fill the gaps to get there. But um, yeah, so ultimately to, to follow that gut instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just spending more time with them, you'll get to know them more and know what they can handle. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to move into our fire rapid questions, if everyone's good with moving on to that. Yep. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. There's only a few. Um, so we have a question from Priscilla on Instagram. Uh, what brand is a good handheld battery-powered slash rechargeable massage gun? 
Um, I don't know. <laughs> do you use a massage gun? I can do more research and look into that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> I could give you the name of a brand. <laughs> yeah, if you research it, you can let us know and we can just post it for her. <laughs> yeah. Do you use one of those? Like, do you use a massage gun or are you all hands-on? Yeah, I'm hands-on only. Um, gotcha. I'm not opposed to yeah, massage gun or some sort of massage simulator, but you do miss uh, reaching some of those insertion and origin points of the muscles. Mm-hmm. So I find that I can be more specific with okay. with my hands, and my what, fingertips. Would yeah. it be something like that would be beneficial for owners to have in between massages with you? Yeah, I'd say so. I definitely, as long as they're yeah, as long as um, again they're following your gut and they're being mindful of it, and yeah. it, I I actually really like it. You know, like there's even like those brushes that have the magnetic uh, rollers or little spheres on them. I say, hey, if you have one of those or if you have this massage tool, I'll give them. And they say, hey, I have this tool. How can I use it? I'll give them specific areas and specific strokes in specific directions that they can use to ultimately optimize. Um, yeah, the musculature. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do either of you guys still have that Mel Highland song stuck in your head? Which Mel Highland song? I used to be a cowboy. I used to rodeo. I even won the world one time. I guess y'all didn't know. Okay, so you clearly didn't forget that song, <laughs> and you clearly didn't get the singing jeans what? in your family. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess. Maybe my brother is a little bit better than me. Let's hear something that he's made. Okay. Like chains around my Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Where can we hear more of that? You can find them on Instagram at Midnight Lights Music with no spaces, as well as on Facebook, Midnight Lights Music. And he sings with his wife, Katie, right? Yeah, yeah, they sing together. Wow. And they actually, we want to give a really big thank you out to them because they've helped us out so much with this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've helped a lot with us just picking our equipment And um, a lot with the sound and the editing. Yeah, so we are so thankful for them and all their help. So be sure to check them out and continue listening to this podcast. So we had another Instagram question from Cassie. At what point in the conditioning process is a massage most beneficial? Hmm. Um, The whole time. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. I was going to say, like, all the time, anytime. Uh, definitely, for me, being a little more um, on the science kind of per- perspective on life, I like doing one, like, pre-conditioning, like, yeah. pre, like, right now to get a baseline, to get baseline data on, like, what their muscles mm-hmm. and what their movements are doing, and then to continue uh, getting sessions at a at some sort of regular rate mm-hmm. to continue monitoring changes, seeing new changes, and seeing improvements and that kind of thing. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Victoria on Instagram wants to know, where did you go to school and how long was the course? Ooh. Um, so after completing my Bachelor of Science and I wanted to and I knew I wanted to go into massage therapy school. I I actually did a ton of research on the schools available. Um, massage equine massage therapy is an unregulated industry, which means that anyone can self-proclaim themselves as a massage therapist after taking any kind of course. So, um, which makes it a little bit trickier to find a school because uh, you don't really know what what is a well-respected school, what is the what is the school that doesn't give that gives enough information, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I attended um, a school called Equinology, which is a school based in California, but they teach courses in Canada quite regularly. Uh, and they have foundation, like a foundation course in massage um, that is about 10 days of awe of like hands on and in class instruction, followed by six months to a year of practicum and externships and continued kind of education that way. Um, I like that school because once you completed, um, once you, once you finish that program, uh, one, there's other courses you can continue to, to take. And two, you get professional insurance because you've completed an X number of hours. Insurance carriers in Canada will only give insurance to professionals that have completed an X number of hours. So if you want to become a professional massage therapist, which, side note, I think that there is a lot of room for this industry to continue growing. Mm -hmm. um, I would highly recommend you complete a school that allows you to get professional insurance afterwards. If you see a school and it looks really good and it fits with your current... um, yeah, like uh, lifestyle, and uh, then I would. The only recommendation I would make is to ask them if, um, if they, if upon graduation from your school, can am I eligible for professional insurance? Okay. Okay. Yeah, insurance is a big thing. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, who are your partners at Vitality Equine, and I, I guess who even builds up your team? Who are my partners and what, sorry? At Vitality Equine. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, the, the the team that we work with or other other professionals that we work with? Uh, just who's on your specific team. Okay. Yeah. So um, on our specific team, we have um, Caroline Mert. She is our newest uh, team VE uh, equine massage therapist. Um, yeah, she is the gal uh, who graduated um, and was a kinesiologist with people for the last two, three years. 
Um, so she's worked within a physiotherapy clinic for two years training and rehabilitating human athletes, but she herself, she's a roper and barrel racer. She has seven horses of her own and she is, she really brings, I've learned so much from her. She brings such a cool um, biomechanics perspective on the human athlete and on the horse athlete as well when she does her equine massage work. Um, and then our third team member, her name is Shelby Wixon, and she is kind of, I'd say she's our marketing director slash vitality equine assistant, everything kind of gal. And uh, she joined her team this year, and she's an amazing um, uh, yeah, social media management specialist, design mm-hmm. specialist. Definitely. She's really, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's been really uh, uh, pivotal to her team in, in, in working towards that greater vision of, of, of having a greater online presence and, um, and, and moving our, our company into a, Perfect. Okay. Another kind of random question. Is there a certain discipline you find yourself working on more than another? Mm, um, I think pretty 50, 50 with my clients in terms of like Western and English in the Western world, definitely working with more, more barrel racers, uh, ropers and cutting horses as well. Okay. Um, and then in the English disciplines, mostly show jumpers and eventers. Okay. Cool. Do you recommend using blue lotion? And if so, how often do you use it? Recommending what? Sorry? Blue lotion. Oh, blue lotion. Yes. Um, that's like the, well, it's used for like an antiseptic, like, uh, is it the antiseptic, like a wound dressing? Is that what you're talking about? I don't know what it no, is either. It's like um, it's like that eight five three five yeah. kind of blue lotion that you put. Yeah, like oh, the cooling okay, lotion. yeah, like a like a deep penetrating, yeah. like minty. Yes, yeah, yeah, it well, yeah definitely. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. Feels good if your horse likes it. Absolutely, try. I'm sure they recommend on the bottles, like you know, try with a little bit sparingly, see how it responds. But I love actually applying those kind of minty gels. Um, with horses after you've ridden, like, you know, let's say you've done like a really heavy strength training day, you should, you know, apply some on, on some of those bigger muscles that have been working a little bit harder. Um, it's also kind of fun to play around with, um, let's say your horse is, uh, like, let's say their left hind limb doesn't track up as far in comparison to the right hind limb. Try putting a little bit of that blue tingly lotion on their oh. left hind foot and see if the proprioception changes oh, cool. and that horse is able to move it. So there's little, I like doing little experiments like that as well with, with those kind of tingly sensation gels. Okay. Yeah. So you're probably a fan of like liniments and, and stuff like that too, after hard work. Hey. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I heard an old wives tale once that rubbing alcohol is a, a very affordable, cost effective liniment. Have you ever heard of, have you ever heard of that? I haven't. No. But, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard <laughs> of that. No. It would, I guess it would make sense because it's just isopropyl alcohol. So it would just, 
it would kind of just like create that sensation and then mm-hmm. and then disappear. But I would also imagine it might dry out the skin a little bit as well. Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah. So depending on how much how meat. often. Yeah, how often. But, and then yeah, there's certain certain ones you don't want to wrap like use wraps over top of because they might blister. So right. Exactly. You just have to be careful of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? I actually, I feel like rubbing alcohol used to, like, I, okay, correct me if I'm wrong now that I think about it. I feel like the original rubbing alcohol was literally a liniment for massage. Like, that's why it was called rubbing alcohol. Oh, really? No. Yeah, have to dig people. a little deeper. That's something to Google. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a thing in the 1920s or something. Oh. Hmm. Maybe that's where yeah. the idea and came then, from. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, that must be it. Because I'm like, ah, I kind of feel like rubbing alcohol. That's where it started. Like they used to just like rub it on people. Why they call <laughs> it that? Interesting. Yeah. 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 So, with back on track or handsable blankets and and boots, how does that help your horse? And is that something you recommend putting on? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's another one of those, like similar to liniments, can definitely support and help the horse um, uh, with promoting circulation. Um, yeah, back on track, hands go, how they work uh, is they have like a ceramic textile fiber, which promotes um, more circulation. And and so I see I have horse owners that use it before a ride to kind of warm up the tissue or after a ride for kind of a cool down uh, sensation. And I find that there's certainly uh, benefits to applying it. Um, and I, I, I see some horses that have like a really strong reaction to it that just love it. And then some horses that are kind of blase about it. And I think it's, um, but I definitely think it could do no harm and a, a great additional therapeutic product to help um, your horse's circulation. Perfect. So we're starting to wrap up here. If there's one tip on physical fitness you could give to everyone out there listening to this podcast, what would that be? Hmm, one tip. Uh, I would say well I can't just give one maybe uh, <laughs> you can give a couple okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say create a goal for your athlete of where you want to get to and work towards that physical goal um, by using your gut instincts and a combination of strength and cardio and massage to get there Awesome. Perfect. Love that. Yeah. So we always like to end off our podcast on a lighthearted or funny note. So even though you told us a (laughs) super funny story at the beginning, (laughs) do you have anything else up your sleeve that might have happened down the road? Uh, the first story that comes, I mean, I have a ton of things. We could do a whole other episode about, about this. <laughs> um, but the other thing I would recommend to any horse owners or uh, 
um, wanting, you know, soon to be equine massage therapist, uh, I would recommend not applying lip balm before you work on a horse in setting season. <laughs> That's what I would recommend. I feel like I learned that the hard way years ago, and I just had like the furriest lips ever. Oh. And that's definitely a hot tip because, yeah, as you're obviously as you're massaging the setting athletes, you just get fur everywhere. Yeah, so. no kidding. A new style. Yeah, a new fashion. Yeah. Trending. I was like sunscreen in Arizona. Like those horses were setting out, and I was literally covered in fur. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, boy. Oh, that's funny. So where can people find you on social media um, or find your YouTube channel? Well, um, you on YouTube, you can just search Vitality Equine uh, and you'll see all of our um, all of our channels there. We have our stretch of the month, which shares stretches and activations for the horse. We have Team DE Talks where we interview other um, horse professionals, and then we have Horse Life, which is just um, a channel for anything and all uh, aspects related to horse health and wellness. Uh, we have a website, www.vitalityequine.com, and that's where you can learn more about massage, our educational programs, and our online assessment programs that we're offering right now. Um, and then on the socials, we're Vitality Equine on Facebook and also on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And everyone should check out your social media because mm-hmm. every day I see your guys' stories of what you're up to, the horses you're working on, or just little tips and tricks and open appointments and everything. Yes. I love our social media. Mm-hmm. Tell me mm-hmm. our stories. I'm obsessed with stories. And um, making things look pretty and fun <laughs> and educational for horse owners. Yeah. Well, you guys are killing it. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. I'm so grateful. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and thanks again for taking this time to chat with us on um, our podcast. And everyone's going to love it. There's yeah. so much good information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. You're so welcome. <laughs> And we will talk to you soon and hopefully we'll get some content of you working on our horses. Yeah, that would be so fun. Let's keep in touch and, and chat again soon. Thank well, you. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, bye. Me too. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Yeah. Bye. bye. Goals, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Learned we needed to be a little more strict and diligent with those goals. I love talking to people who like their goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's your that's your topic, hey, Stevie. Like, <laughs> like, uh, goals and organization. Yeah. It gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, no. Hers was uh, not only with, like, the, the goals. Uh, that was awesome. It was awesome how the organized they also are on social media mm-hmm. like they they seriously kill it yeah those uh, are our goals for social media for the yeah. horse poor yeah <laughs> yeah they do such yeah, a great job we're doing, so, we're doing pretty good with our social media but there's this like all a really yeah. cool scene and and I'm, I'm excited to actually check out her youtube i know yeah i didn't i haven't seen that yet but yeah i might have like 
casually seen that and skimmed by it or something, but I haven't checked it out and I'm yeah. so excited. And it's such a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I love how she's just like passionate about sharing to help us and the horses. Like she's just willing to, you know, spend the time and mm-hmm. like make a YouTube channel with like different channels within it. It almost sounds like, yeah. um, you know, mm-hmm. take home stuff that doesn't cost us any money. She's willing to give us this information yeah. that she's mm-hmm. went to school to learn too. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that pop, that podcast. I really enjoyed the poop story too. Like that was actually <laughs> of course hilarious. <laughs> I can't believe that. We'll like, have that to get a poop story fun. out of Nadine here one of these days. Yeah, <laughs> one day. One Don't day, worry, guys. Just wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that is really cool. How she went from like being a marine biologist to getting into like the horse mm-hmm. world. Like mm-hmm. that very is cool. super super neat. She's I've always wondered lady. about the marine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we hope you enjoyed that podcast. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, Wait. don't forget to check out our social media on Instagram, Horsepoor Podcast, and Facebook as well. Horsepoor Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then you can find our podcast on all the major yeah. apps, of course. If you're listening to this, you've probably already figured that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but um, Good oh job dear. on figuring us out. <laughs> yeah. All right, Diener, what's the main thing that we like to take away? We like to get rich or ride trying.